All right, hello again, everybody, and uh, welcome to another episode, number 23, of the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast. We're talking today about swing adjustability, myself, Jim, and, of course, renowned hitting instructor, professional evaluator, former coach, friend, co-host, Jake Epstein, sporting his Mizzou gear today. He thinks that Mizzou is going to beat, and we record this on 926, September 26th, Saturday, that Mizzou is going to beat Alabama today. There's zero doubt in my mind that's going to happen. Yeah, and there's zero doubt. On a, certain, on a couple plays today, a couple plays, Missouri is going to beat Alabama. We were just talking. No doubt. It might be a sack. It might be a completion. It might be yards for a gain on the ground, but Missouri will win a couple plays today. We were just talking off air about some, some betting stuff and uh, some, some gambling on football and whatnot. And uh, I'm, I'm fearful this show is going to eventually turn into just a gambling show. The next, yeah, be- I'm, I'm a total expert at uh, losing anytime I gamble. So yeah. we'll do five. I do, five I, do, I do four pools a year. Four pools a year is the only thing I bet on. And it's, it's the, uh, the golf uh, majors. So I've been doing it for years. It used to be free through ESPN and then DraftKings bottom. Yeah. And you pick like six guys and you got to keep the salary under X amount of money. And then sometimes your guys make the cut, sometimes they don't. We got about 15 guys or so in the pool. It's so much fun. Because I fun. feel that if I go into the college sports ranks, I'll be, it's a sickness. It's a sick, I, I would just be underneath the crashing waves not knowing where up is and not knowing where down is well, so I, I told you this before the show and i give this advice to everybody don't bet college football this year it's probably not the best bet you don't know what's going to happen on a daily basis no and you're not going to win much money anyway because a lot of times the teams that are favored are going to come out on top there's not going to be many upsets because of the wacky schedule nfl though hey sure. go go to work by the way there's some disappointing news uh this week mike trout in his 10th season Eight-time All-Star, three-time MVP. I don't need to read off his resume, but the Angels were eliminated from playoff contention, Ep, and uh, that was the ninth time in his 10-year career. Mm. Uh, Bryce Harper is on the verge of almost of being eliminated again from the postseason with the Phillies. Which front office has failed which player more? I have my answer. I think it's kind of obvious, but... And and also I want to know I want to know from you in your opinion why Mike Trout just can't seem to make the postseason. That's a that's a good question. You know, it's I mean this year's weird. Yeah, this year's uh, weird. Yeah. But the I, I I would say the Angels failed just because I'm a West Coast guy. You're an East Coast guy. You're probably going to say the no, Phillies have. The you know, no, um, the yeah. I mean, they've done a horrible job. They 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 really have. I mean, they 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 pick up Rendon, who's a, a solid player. You know, you got try. You need pitching. You need you need pitching. You need a bullpen, and they don't have either. You know, Otani. We talked about him earlier in the year, and I mean, he's done. Like I don't know if he's going to throw again, right? Well, they haven't so, had pitching for years. Feels what's like. that? They haven't had pitching for years. It feels like no. Like I don't remember who's the last guy. Pit- Weaver. Like that's the last uh, guy I can remember. Uh, <laughs> the lefty CJ. Um, I can't remember his name. He signed that big deal though, over a hundred million. I forget his name now. CJ. Was he the guy that was with like the Rangers too and got? Yes, he got the big deal. Came from the Rangers. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. I, I think they throw, they've thrown money around in 
respects the individual players and they really haven't built up any kind of farm system right. you know in terms of in terms of international guys and pitching you have to that's the only way you can be i mean that's why the rock and the rockies are I'm not a rockies you know guy but that's where the rockies at least have like held on with a thread is that they have pretty good latin american scouting especially in the pitching department yeah and they've developed quality quality position guys you know in the farm system but if you don't have those arms you're it doesn't matter how good mike trout is and you know what maybe mike trout doesn't get those pitches right. if he's playing on a contender right. you know maybe they pitch around him a lot more too and that's it's a vicious cycle you know you know you want to do well you know for for your teammates and, and do your best but my goodness when you're just losing all the time what a terrible environment that must be yeah I, I'm not saying this is the case. I'm gonna, so I'm going to ask you. I'm not saying this is the case at all. I don't believe that this is the case. But you just saw Derek Jeter's Marlins clinch a playoff spot. Again, short season. I get it. But, I mean, and I saw Kevin Euclid this morning when I woke up tweeted about how Jeter has just that X factor of winning. I don't know what it is, and a lot of people don't, and that's fine. But is does Mike Trout just lack that, that X factor of just being a winner, or is it just everything out of his control at this point i don't think it's him yeah i don't either but per se i i really don't i don't think it's i don't know i mean that's that that's a that's a cool jeter definitely has that factor where he's gonna but he's not on the field anymore you know is he making the right decisions in the booth maybe he just has that ability right um to make people now some people have the ability to make people grow around them right they make they make players better um, I don't maybe maybe Trout is is lacking that, but I think Trout gets traded to somebody who's a contender. I bet he just goes through the roof. I bet he has a whole other gear that we haven't even seen yet. I'm glad you brought that up. I want to so I want to just pose this question too before we move on. Who gets traded first out of the big deals that that we've seen that mm. have been dealt out from two position players or two two position players? Mike Trout, Bryce Harper. Who gets traded first? I would have to say Trout gets traded because he provides more value. Okay. I Harper, I don't know. Harper's so polarizing. Harper has a, but has I a don't, trade no trade clause. I want to throw that in there. But I'm saying just for right, yeah, yeah. purposes. And they can waive that too. I, I mean you can throw that's right. Yeah, you, you go to a contender, they're gonna waive. They go to right. San Diego when they're winning, like who's not gonna want to go to that weather, right? And live there. So I don't know. I, I think who, who gets paid more per year? What's who's got the bigger contract? The average, Harper. The average annual value is Trout. It is. He gets paid more. He's the four hundred over four hundred million. I think it was four something. Tra- um, Harper is three around three thirty with a it no is, trade yeah. clause. I think Trout has a no trade clause too, but that does again. Doesn't yeah, but I'm wondering like the longevity of it, you know? Because Bauer could sign a thirty million dollar deal tomorrow, you know, Bryce's, and he'll uh, for one year. Yeah, Bryce is tw- uh, 13 years. I think Trout is 12 years. Yeah. I don't know. I would say I would say Trout goes just because he's a little bit more dependable. Okay. Yeah. I, you I, know, he's been he's been way more consistent, we'll put it that way, and in the injury department, he's a he's a little bit more, you know, stable. I I honestly believe that Bryce Harper will be, eventually be traded. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't believe he's going to stay with the Phillies for the longevity, the life of that contract. 
I don't believe it. I, I think because you're looking at their farm system, 23rd in baseball right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of question marks around that team. Uh, that that contract, let's face it, it's 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 really hampering and hamstring. It's, it's 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 a it's a problem for the Phillies, I think, right now. And it might be for Trout too, for the Angels. But it's a problem, I believe, for signing other guys. I think that's one of the big reasons why Real Muto is not signed right now. And how do you go out yeah. now and, and continue just to sign all these guys, sign all these guys, and you don't have a good that good farm system, and, and especially now with COVID, and you don't know the financials of of organizations and what the future may. Have. Yeah. So that's right. another big thing too. So I, I think yeah, those deals are risky. That's for sure. But, those deals are risky. I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't have done that's it. the one. I, but I wouldn't have done the trout deal either. I'm, I'm you know, I wouldn't have done either of those. I'm, I'm they, nothing has panned out. Look at Pujols now in the last few right. years of his yeah. career. Yeah, and that's probably one of the reasons. Quite honestly, the Angels yeah. are hamstrung. Well, and Josh, right? Josh Hamilton's deal. They that spent a lot of money on that years ago. Right. Even though Josh was one of my favorite players growing so up, so good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would hire him in a heartbeat to be a hitting instructor somewhere. Yeah, he's sharp guy when it comes. I mean, he. Well, as he stays straight, straight and narrow, then we can we can work. But yeah, but he he did. He worked the right way. Yeah. You know, with his swing and and he talked hitting the right way. So yeah, anyways, I hope he's cleaned himself up. So September, this is this comes out Mondays, nine a.m. September twenty eighth, two thousand and twenty. You're saying that Trout gets traded first? I do. Okay, I'm going to go with Bryce Harper. No, I'm okay. not trying to do that to counterpoint you. I'm it's settled. Saying it because it's I settled. Just, I have that. I just have that inkling, that feeling. That's just looking at the entire big picture, and it could yeah. they could both be traded. But I see Trout as more of. Uh, I'm thinking like down the line, like storyline. What if they just swap them and be like, let's see who does better in this environment? Like, hey guys, why don't you go play here for six months? I think Trout would be kind of fun. I think Trout would do that. Do great. Be home. Be home. Yeah. And that that ballpark is a bandbox. Yes. I'm thinking ten years down the line, we see Trout and the Angels in the World Series, and they're going to talk about how finally, you know, he's got the World Series, and they're going to make a big hubbubaloo about how he's waited patiently. All the great things oh, come with your way to blah 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 blah. Yep. Yeah, that's my that's my vision. Ken Rosenthal is going to be reporting on that from down on the field prior to the first pitch in two thousand and twenty nine. Yeah. yeah, that's my that's my thought. That's it. Does he still have a bow tie on? Yes. Okay. Good. Yeah, I like his. I, I do like some of his boats. Some of them I love. I love the bow ties. Other ones, I, I'm like that. That fits well. Um, by the way, before we get into our topic, I want to bring up something. A player from the 90s that you probably remember well. And you remember this year. We didn't talk about this in the Hitting History book. I wish we did. That's on me. I, I'm sorry. By the way, that, that episode's available on YouTube and in the archives. Check it out. But uh, Cecil Fielder hit 51 home runs in 1990. And that was 1.5% of the home runs hit that year. This is from Baseballer on Facebook. Huh? That's where I get all my material. If he did that this year... <laughs> He would have, he would be on pace for 101 home runs. <laughs> if if what? If he did that this year, so if he hit okay. 51 like he did in 1990, if he hit 51 this year, which was 1.5 percent of home runs hit that year, he'd be gotcha. on pace or would have hit 101 home runs. That's a lot. Yeah. Remember when his son would eat all these hot all, eat a whole yes. bunch of hot dogs and yes, yeah, hit bombs. He did bombs out of yeah. Tiger Stadium when he was like 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two best first basemen back in that in that era, Ryan Howard and and 
Prince fielder, you can make the argument, when Prince was playing. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah was McGuire done then? Because he was pretty good. good. McGuire was No, I'm talking in the two, 2000s. 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 2000, oh, yeah. You know, yeah Howard, for sure. So uh, somebody posed this question to me. Would you have traded Ryan Howard for Prince Fielder straight up? Would you do that deal? Yep. You would? Mm-hmm. Okay. I probably would do it, too. I would just worry about Prince's um, injury he's, problems. Oh, come on. He's a vegetarian. We had a back problem. Yeah. Vegetarian doesn't stop your <laughs> doesn't, stop, doesn't stop your sciatica from acting up. <laughs> doesn't stop your lower back from getting pulled. The biggest vegetarian on the planet. I wish it, I wish it did. All right, well, let's get into today's topic. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. We're on social media at Epstein Hitting, at Jim Tara. Um, send it along your questions as well, jimbopodcast21 at gmail.com. A new episode dropped, uh, archived episode on our YouTube page, um, Epstein Hitting uh, Podcast. The Bryce Harper episode, actually, where we broke down his swing. Last week's episode, we did Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Hope you listened to that. If you didn't, well, you know, I don't know what to tell you. You got to listen to it because Vlad got hot. He did. Hey, how about those Blue Jays? Yes, going sir. On to the, to, going on to the playoffs. Boy, I, there was somebody, I forget who, I, I, I don't remember who now, but there was, I I got to bring this up. I, there was somebody, uh, I think it was like a year ago, spring training, who said, you know, I could see them making the postseason in 2020 and sneaking in backdoor that second wild card. I forget who that guy was. If I find out who that guy was, I'm going to pass it along to you. <laughs> I might know who that is. All right. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> should have put the money line on that one. Yes. See, people should start listening to me. I do know maybe. And I believe I said the Padres would if we go back. I think we were pretty we were pretty spot on early this year. We were. Well, I didn't, I didn't say the Blue Jays when we started the podcast. I said that to somebody you know, in the organization. Oh, oh okay. They, they, they kind of looked at me. But I said, you know, yes. I think it's going to happen. It's yeah. very not, negative. Not, very negative in Canada. Not You're not going to see with me. I, it's going to happen. Now, you and I did say in the beginning of the podcast that the Padres are probably going to make it. They may win the World Series, the Padres. My God, I, I, and we, I thought we talked about the Blue Jays, too, sneaking in. Or not even sneaking in. I thought we we, we said they were going to have a good year, and they did. I don't did. think they snuck in, too, by the way. I think they, yeah. they just punched their ticket. Yep. The Giants will sneak in if they make it. Yeah, they're they're kind of heating up at the right time. They got a couple more games they got to win. That's sneaking in. You know, yeah, the Brewers. The Brewers. You can make the argument snuck in last year in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, we're talking about uh, swing adjustability today, and there's a lot of players, by the way, uh, on all those teams we just mentioned that have great swing adjustability. Fernando Tatis Jr., Vlad Jr., Bo Bichette. Um, um, uh, somebody on the Giants, Brandon Crawford. Can I make that argument? Maybe, yeah. Good swing at Justin. Yeah, he's a pretty good hitter. Good hitter. Um, we've alluded to uh, Christian Yelich, uh, Keston Hira. Sorry, I've got to mention the Brewers, of course. Um, well, last year. Yes, but we've alluded to that term, swing adjustability, a handful of times on previous episodes of the show. I'm just let's just open it up here. Um, what's the broad definition of it? Just kind of give a main headline to what swing adjustability really is. You know, it's the ability to uh, make an adjustment. Okay. <laughs> moving, moving on. All right, we'll move moving on. on. So it's the ability from heel plant, you know, to contact to make 
finite adjustments in the swing. And, and you can argue before that, too, with a stride. So we'll talk about that, too. But it's it's the ability to, look, pitchers are tough and pitchers are trying to get us out. Now, in batting practice mode, not a lot of adjustments need to be made, right? The pitch is the same speed. The guy's not trying to get us out. So we can just kind of do the same thing. We can have the same timing we can have the same swing plane, meaning we, you know, if it's if we're working on fastballs, we can swing a little flatter. If we're working on breaking balls that are dropping a lot, we can swing a little steeper. If we're working on outside pitches, we can let it get deep. If we're working on inside pitches, we can head out in front, right? So we 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 know the situation. Well, all of a sudden we get thrown into a game, and now it's like, uh oh, am I going to get a fastball? Am I going to get a curveball? Am I going to get inside? Am I going to get outside? Am I going to get higher? Am I going to get low? So adjustability is the ability to hey, and we don't always have to adjust. Okay, so let's let's that that has to do with the mental side of it. We don't always have to adjust, but say we have two strikes on us, mm-hmm. and we're you know this guy throws really hard, so we're protecting you know against the fastball, and then all of a sudden he pulls the string, and we're fooled. Right, our timing was early. Yeah, how do I make an adjustment to? Still find a way to, to to hit that pitch. Yeah, that that's really that's that's adjustability in the swing. Did I keep my hands back? Mm-hmm. Was my stride controlled? Was I jumping? Was my head? And those are all things that we can train to allow players to adjust. So that's the the physical part of it. Yeah, is being in the right launch position, right? Striding, planting the front heel, being in a good position to make adjustments, right? Not everybody can do that. Yeah. And then the second part of it is having the vision and the athleticism to make that adjustment in 0.24 seconds you know that that's the you know that's that's the that's the hard part you know that last segment of you know do i need to make an adjustment here and i can teach players how to make an adjustments mechanically here's here's the way you do we get into this position that position okay we're fooled we still could do this but for some players have the some players can do it, yeah. you know, and we talk about it all the time. Some dudes can hit and some guys can't. Yeah. Some guys look good, as my dad said, in the hotel lobby, and some guys look good in the batter's box. Five o'clock. You know, yeah. yeah, and they're all on the same roster. Right? Why are, why are some guys great? You know, um, when I was started my career in independent ball, there was, uh, you might remember this name, Fred Lewis was on the team. Yeah. Yeah. My parents saw him play when he was with, the uh, wow. independent team okay. I was working for, and they said, "Man, he's just a little step, step um, slow." So, mm. I, and I had a quick story here. I, one of the coaches on the coaching staff was a retired FBI agent. I respect him very much, Joe. I won't say his last name, but um, we still speak to this day. And I remember we were—I uh, was down at the batting cage. We were in the postseason. You know, this was about five years ago. Six years ago, maybe, I, and and we were we were down in the batting cage, and um, Joe says whispers to me as when Fred was hitting, he was hitting bombs, you know, and BBEPP. He goes to me, he goes, "See that right there?" And I go, "Yeah." He goes, "That's a five o'clock hitter." <laughs> <laughs> so that you you have to have swing adjustability, right. or else you're going to be a five o'clock hitter. <laughs> That's right. Your talent, yeah. your talent, your your physical attributes can can get you there, and then some guys. You know, I, I mean, we talked about the hotel about lobby, right? The hotel lobby, right? Yeah. Some guys look good in a suit, yeah. But you know, we we talked about Bryce Harper, or I'm sorry, we talked about uh, Mike Trout earlier and Bryce Harper. But you know, Mike Trout is is not the prettiest, 
you know, if you look at his mechanics, it's not the smoothest swing. It's very short and tight, you know. It's not fluid and loose if you look at him. But he's able to adjust his body, and he's so short, to different pitches. I mean, he had a home run the other night that was below his knees. Yeah. Right? Because he's, he's strong, he's athletic, and boom, he got his body to tilt inward a little bit more, dropped the barrel on it, and got it. And then, you know, I would say, God, why would you throw this guy down? You know, this he really tilts in a lot, right, with his shoulders and his spine. And then somebody throws him up, and guess what? He keeps his posture and hits that one out, too. I know. And that's a guy that has control over his body, you know, to get to all those different pitches. Yeah. And he doesn't freak out, right? His heart rate is, you know, probably 35 beats per minute. You know, he's just, he's got that mantle kind of, oh, if I strike out, who cares? Yeah. Like, no one's in the stands anyway now. Right, right. <laughs> um, you brought up a couple of points there that I could segue to. I want to segue to this, though. You mentioned about how you keep the hands back. You oftentimes see that front shoulder go. But the hands do stay back with the front shoulder still down. And you'll hear color commentators on games say something along the lines of, you know, great adjustment, but and he kept his hands back. But what really does that mean as a great hitter? Because that's just kind of and nothing wrong with this, but it's commentary talk. But what does that really yeah. ultimately mean in the end? So if you if you plant your swing, and we cover a lot of this. Um, here comes the shameless plug okay. in our certification. I, we I have a lot of guys coming in for recertification, so they, they enjoy this. This part of it's kind of like next level stuff, but. If you stride, and this is why we, we, we look at so much video on what happens during the stride and how we stride, because that's your timing, right? That's how we're getting our body in position, but it's also where we're going to make adjustments from, okay? Sometimes we make adjustments mid-stride. Yeah. Sometimes our foot's in the air. We recognize that pitch is a little bit slower, and we'll hang the foot longer. Bryce Harper's fantastic at that. That's why sometimes you see him and his feet are really wide at heel plant, and sometimes you see it when his feet are really narrow yeah. because he realizes, oh, my goodness, that pitch is inside. Boom, he drops his foot quicker to make that adjustment mid-stride yeah. so he doesn't get as wide as he normally does because he had to get his barrel to the inside pitch. So, um, But for the most part, you know, your hand staying back, what happens with, with many players, and I would say the majority of players under 15, is their upper body starts at the same time their front foot hits the ground, mm -hmm. okay? So you, you hear all the time, like one of the worst sayings in youth baseball, get your foot down on time. Oh, God, college okay? coaches say it. College coaches, right. Get your foot down early. Get your foot down on time. But what people don't realize is on time doesn't mean early. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, never, you don't really want to hang out there. Yeah. I mean, you can. You know, Pujols kind of hung out there for a long time. Okay, so some guys could do it. But you don't really stop your momentum. And what they were talking about is you stick your foot out there and then you just, you're hitting from a standstill, right? That's the worst thing. So it's, you know, being able to keep your shoulders and upper body back when your front foot is engaged and your lower body starts, okay? Which is also what? That's also torque, okay? So players that create torque have power and adjustability. Ryan Braun was probably the best. I mean, his separation back in the day, like, so flexible. It was it was kind of gross-looking. Like, his upper body wouldn't even move, and when he would land, his front foot would be, like, totally open, and his front hip would be opening, but his chest was still back. So he was able to hold that position if it was a slider instead of a fastball, right? So we're talking three feet. You know, that's about three feet is what you have to wait on a, on a slider versus a fastball. Two and a half, three feet. 
So keeping your hands back and your shoulder down, your front shoulder down is the first first process to having adjustability in your swing. If you don't get to that proper launch position, then nothing works. It's like we're building a house and we decided to put the, the framework up before we put the foundation, before we poured the foundation. Right. Oh, it's not going to work. Right. And it doesn't work. And that's where players get weeded out, right? You get to 15, 16. Now, all of a sudden, you, you pull off and you swing and miss at every breaking ball because you're not in the proper launch position and you get cut. You're right. done. You know, 14, 15, that's usually the biggest where, where players uh, don't make it to the next level. Yeah, you know, you hear commentators oftentimes, too, say on MLB Network, I don't think they mean it this way, but they say, well, he got his foot down nice and early or, or whatever. I, I, yeah. I heard Harold Reynolds say that a couple of days ago, and Harold doesn't actually mean it what, what people think it means or take it literally. It, getting your foot down early like that, just planning it with no momentum, that kills swing adjustability, Correct. Yeah, and well, it makes you robotic and takes away any kind of like fluidness to the swing. Now, what it, uh, trust me, I've done this. Like I used, to, I, I remember doing it in high school. I got my foot down early. And then what would I do after that? I get, I'd step and then I'd step again mm-hmm. because that's what your body wants to do to create energy. Yeah. And even, I don't know, it may have been your boy that kind of does that. Does he step a little early? Which boy? I, the guy with the, uh, you know, the, the short little chubby guy for the, Blue Jays, the new oh, guy, Alejandro. Uh, he yes, does a, he does a little. Alejandro, you didn't hear his walkout music yet, did you? No, I haven't. I have to send it to you. I don't I think they have speakers in Buffalo. That's the problem. Yeah, I'll have to send it to you. It's, okay, it is, it is, it is something to. Uh, I can't wait. To yeah, no, I I thought I saw him do it, but it may have been a two strike approach where he guys went down early. You know, so some guys will do that. Well, I think, but the, again, I've seen him on from the open side a lot, and he does kind of like what Pujols does. He does get it down, he does. but he does okay. have that momentum still going forward. Yeah, so he still has kind of the a hip slide or a hip oh, drift, yeah. which which is his weight shift. You know, everybody's hips move laterally. Yeah. If your foot's in the air, it's called a stride. If your foot's on the ground, it's called a drift. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. But it's doing the same thing in terms of transferring weight. But yeah, and to each their own, but that adjustability for me starts there. That's the first stage of adjustability. Can I keep my shoulders back? Oh, my foot just landed. Oh, my lower body just started to open. Can I buy a tenth of a second with my upper body? That's step number one. And then uh, we can segue or I can talk about other steps if you'd like now, Jim. Well, let's... I don't want to get off topic we're... or mess things up. Well, we're the segue kings today. You're mentioning a lot of things that uh, I could segue to. So I'll give you a choice. I'll give you a choice today. No, no, no. You go. Well, well, well I'll, I'll give you a choice. Just hear me out. So, Okay. Do you want to segue to the certification courses commercial? Or would you like to segue <laughs> to the steps? Why don't we segue to the steps that you're saying there? Because you're on a roll. You've got that momentum going forward. You've got the Alejandro Kirk momentum going forward. So let's the problem is that. I, I only have had one cup of coffee, and I already forgot what I was going to talk about because I'm getting old. That's the problem. Wait till this year's certification program because it is every year I start talking about one topic, and then 30 minutes later I'm off. Like I started – and then I turn around and I say, what was I talking about again? And then they, you know, all the guys laugh and they tell me like, hey, 
you were talking about this. I'm like, okay, we'll pick up. We'll so I just get off on tangents. This is just like a mini tangent. Just, okay. Just so the like first doing, step, just pretend like you're doing the podcast. And then I'll. That's like, it. I just need you, Jim. That'll, that's yeah. what we need. All right. Maybe we'll televise it. That's what we should do. Or YouTube it or something. We'll tape it. We'll tape, tape it. it. Yeah. Anyway. So right. what do we say? So I'll let you move, go ahead. Go ahead. Moving forward, I digress. Moving forward, first step in, in, in swing adjustability is, you know, can we read it in the stride, right? Can we read it in the rhythm? Oh, I saw that breaking ball pop. Oh, I saw that changeup come out of his hand a little bit. And we don't always see this, so I don't think that if you don't see the ball come out of the hand that it's certain certain guys throw different change-ups and it comes out of a different part of the hand and as a hitter sometimes you can recognize that and then the really good guys they don't that's why they're the number one and number two starters and their eras are below two and a half okay but sometimes we see things like that it's like oh okay that ball popped out of the hand it came out of the whatever like i used to see guys that really had long fingers through forcing fastballs it would come out of the very top of the hand Mm -hmm. where if it didn't it like if the hand looks almost smaller like the ball was part of the hand then I knew it was a breaking ball. Yeah. Okay. Where I, I knew it was different. That's kind of what I was looking for. It was different. Like, oh, that was different than the fastball, so I know it's something else. But we do that adjustability with our stride. Like, oh, maybe I'll hang my foot a little bit longer. Okay, that bought me time. Now, second step is we get to a good launch position. We plant our front foot. Our hips open, but they're not fired open. So I, I kind of have a – everybody's really teaching players to aggressively open their front hip at heel plant we saw with there's different there's different styles for everybody but uh brawny was a guy like that so braun you know kind of did that where if we looked at um vlad jr he doesn't right he keeps his shoulders back more and his hips are open compared to his shoulders but his hips aren't wide open so i see a lot of drills where players are trying to force those hips open force those as soon as you force those hips open like a split second later you're gone like you're you're swinging no matter what so we have to be careful not to we do want to have torque and separation but not at the expense that we're opening our lower body so aggressively that even though we have separation our upper body is open yeah we have torque but our upper body isn't our chest isn't facing rearward which is what we we talked about last week's podcast so you know that adjustability keeping keeping the shoulders back is is step two we planted our front foot our hips started to open but it wasn't like we were firing our hips. Now, maybe a pitch is middle in, and we recognize that, boom, I'm going to clear my hips out early. But if you teach that all the time, you're not going to hit anything middle away or anything moving away. Remember, a right-hander on right-hander fastball is moving away from you. He's not throwing it from the middle of the rubber, and it's tailing in for the most part. It's coming from an arm slot that's closer to the shortstop, throwing a crossed home plate. We saw that with Vlad Guerrero. Uh, that overhead view they have in Tampa Bay, right? It was a left-hander, right? Yeah. And that ball just kept barreling in on them, even though it was a fastball. So even though balls have late movement, you have to understand where that arm slot is and where that ball is delivered. So if a fastball is moving away from you, cutting across home plate, you better not spin off of that thing unless it's, you know, right on the inside court. Okay, so that was like, there, there was like a mini soapbox, like a mini, I just kind of s- straight off course. I just hit the iceberg, I bounced off the iceberg, and now I'm back on course. Yeah. The iceberg didn't do any damage. Okay. The last part of the the last part of the adjustability factor, since we're just ramming them all in, this is extension. So Mike Mustakis hit a home run against the Brewers that was really far the other night. 
Yes. And he was early. He was really early. Mm-hmm. But he kept his body back, and he reached with his arms, and he kept his barrel low through the swing point. You can look it up on uh, MLB.com. Right? I mean, it was... He hit it so far out in front, and he hit it to straight, straight, away, straight away right field with, with no hook. It was amazing. Okay? Mm-hmm. So did he want to hit a ball that far out in front? He, he hit this ball with his top hand angle at contact, his left arm, where most people are like 120 degrees. That would be like a, a pretty good number at contact. He was like 160. 160. He only had 10 or 15, 20 degrees left of extension but what did he use you know so many people teach oh you want your top hand elbow or your your if we're talking about Mustakis, left left hand hitter top hand is his left hand they want 90 degrees with his left arm that's what we want they call it the power l that's what i think of that one so you can sorry somebody brought it up at certification years ago i'm like sometimes it's you're an still l. mad at that guy <laughs> what's that that guy's still on your shit list huh hell with that guy who brought it up, right? Yeah, like he, I'm glad he brought it up so I could just say, oh, look, here's 38 major leaguers in a row not at 90 degrees at contact. Anyway, not that sometimes they're at 90, but you have to be 90. Sometimes you got to be 100. Sometimes you got to be 165, like Wasakis was. Yeah. Okay? So that adjustability. So say your, your top hand is at 90 degrees coming through, right? Mm-hmm. From 90 degrees... We're measuring your humerus and your forearm, okay? 90 degrees with your top hand. Anywhere from 90 to 180, you're going to make contact. Mm -hmm. What happens if you never get to 180? I'm not saying you're going to be 180 in contact. But what happens if the process doesn't go from 90 all the way to extension at some point in your swing? Well, then you're cutting off your swing plane. And that's why extension is so important. Mm -hmm. And that's why extension is like the analogy I use, and all the certified guys you know, know this analogy, it's... You're jumping out of an airplane, right? You're like, yeah, that, you know what I want to do today? So it seems like a good idea. I'm going to go jump out of an airplane, parachute. And probably something you'd want to do, Jim. I would, actually. Okay? I've like, always said I yeah, want to go skydiving, and, and people are like, really? Oh, oh, yeah. Let's do it. Right. I'd have to bring, like, three packs of underwear if I went skydiving. Could, That's kind of how it would work. It wouldn't be a, it would, Plus, I'm a big human. Like, I don't trust. I don't, li- I'm not I don't, a, I don't like heights. Uh, let's take a timeout and uh, talk about these certification courses. And then after yeah. the break, I have a surprise for you. Oh yeah, I, I love surprises. On, I found on my phone, but tell us about the certification courses that are coming up at the uh, Epstein Hitting Academy the Lab. Excuse me, the Lab Hitting um, Hitting Academy, right? Yeah, EpsteinOnlineHitting.com, but at the Lab BCS, the certification. Are we live right now? We have. A, we are live. live. Oh, we are live. Live to tape, this, as they this... call it. This is going to be a great episode. <laughs> this is the greatest episode ever. So it's 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 okay. So let's let's let's. I I have the very confusing uh, business model. Um, so right. I've I have thirty eight different web domains uh, URLs, right? So that makes it easy. But EpsteinHitting.com, EpsteinHitting.com certification. Yeah. Uh, Epstein Online Academy. Those are for all my people around the world that send in videos that I do. I have four or five from Europe, and I have two from Australia. Some Canadians, but I consider them brothers since I'm one quarter Canadian. No um, yeah, Learned yeah. My grandfather before. was born. In, my grandfather was a Blue Jay. He was born in Toronto. Learn something new on every yeah. week on the show. There you go. Now, now you know. That's why I love the Blue Jays deep down, and the Expos. 
All right. So, uh, yes, yeah, certification training is in two, three weeks, three weekends away. And we're doing that at the lab in Texas. It's going to be awesome. We got about probably eight spots left, I would say. And we have a good mix so far. I think it's half and half, new people and returning people. Some of the returners have been there like four times. It's awesome, and they learn something new every time because we're constantly updating. Talked to one gentleman uh, that actually is in Texas and was one of the first guys I've certified. Geez, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. And he's done really well. He was a retired firefighter, and he's coming. And I haven't seen him in forever. And uh, so it's always good to kind of see old faces. And, and But you shouldn't wait that long to get recertified because we're constantly learning and changing and finding new ways. Again, the beauty about Epstein hitting isn't content. Everybody has content. You can find a podcast or a, a, a Instagram feed and some guy saying, oh, this, that, and the other, and marking up videos, and, you know, like... But how do you get players to change, right? That's that's the, what makes a good program or a good instructor. Not, hey, you need to do this. That's just okay. Hey, you got to you got to get your hands back. Oh, okay. But what is the process? How do we get players to do that? Do we just let them weed out? Do we just let them survival of the fittest? Okay, Johnny, you suck, so you're just not going to play baseball. Or Hey, John, let's give you the right tools and see if you can succeed in baseball. Like, that's our job as, as, as hitting instructors. It's, it's to be able to have a program and a blueprint to make changes. Not to know what the change is, okay? Every, a lot of people know what the change is. There's a lot of smart people out there. But, but through experience and trial and error and having success that I've had over the last 20 years, you know, teaching players what works, what doesn't, that's what we share in the certification program. And that's why people come, because... It's it's not cheap, that's for sure, because it's a lot of work. It's every day I'm constantly looking at videos. Every day I'm trying to find a new way. Every day I'm using that on players to see if it, it works or it doesn't work. And then we compile all that information and we share it with people from you know all around the country. Okay. Well, very good. So log on to... Uh, EpsteinHitting.com and sign up today. Did I give the right URL? I don't know why I'm... Why I'm why. EpsteinHitting.com. You, yes. you got it. I don't know you why. can get anywhere. You can get to the lab from there. You can get on, online academy from there. You can get yeah. certification from there. It's all in you one can get place. to Tahiti from there if you want. Oh, no kidding. We have a straight link to Tahiti. You can get yourself a, a grass hut. Okay. That's, that's all I got. That's all I got. For grass sure. hut. This, this is the greatest. Stick your toes in the water. This is the best episode ever. Best episode. We may never be able to do another episode like this again. We may not be able to do another one. They may the internet internet may shut us down. Yeah. It's that old cancel culture. Um yep. oh, by the way, so uh before we get back on topic, I want to share something with you. And I'm gonna send this to you later, but it may cheer you up and get us back on track. So here, I'll let you listen. It's loading. Can you hear it? Pretty great. That's Alejandro's song. That's our boy. Yeah. It's it's Alejandro Kirk for you. It has like a little mariachi to it versus like Caribbean feel. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming he's, he's not from Mexico, is he? No. Huh. I don't think he, I don't remember. But I don't remember now where he's from. Yeah. 
I, I, there's not a lot of Elmachon um, is Chon is the uh, song for those who are, okay. are curious to look it up. For, I'll for, send it to for you those later. that want to listen at home. Yeah, upload it on their uh, phone or whatever. I'll send it to you later, though. I uh, yeah, it's one of my favorites. Anyway, all right. So getting back to top our topic here, swing adjustability. Uh, as you know, I have a photographic memory, uh, and there was in a bat. At Wrigley Field, Manny Ramirez was at the plate. This was years ago, and he hit a pitch uh, to center over the wall that was at his shins. Um, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, look it up on YouTube. Just like you should look up Alejandro's walkout song on YouTube as well. <laughs> I'm sure it's all out there. It is. But um, for me, talking up and down, uh, was Manny Ramirez uh, – two questions. Was he one of the best at swing adjustability overall? And let's talk a little bit about swing adjustability from pitches that are north to south rather than um, horizontally east to west. So, yes, I think Manny was as good as it gets Mm -hmm. for a couple different reasons. One, he was very smart, yeah, and he anticipated pitches, and he laid off pitches that he wasn't sitting on. Mm -hmm. Number two... For instance, that pitch you're talking about, he was probably looking for that pitch. Mm-hmm. Okay, he was he, he was probably like I don't know if it's a fastball or breaking ball, right? Yeah. So he was looking for it, and then it was maybe out of the zone, maybe not. But because he was looking for it, he went after it, and he, he had the ability to get to it. Well, how do? What's another way to teach adjustability? How about we hit bottle caps from the time we're six to ten years old? Right. right. How about we swing at everything? How about we swing at wiffle balls? How about we swing at high pitches? We swing at low pitches. We swing at pitches that are at us. We swing at pitches that are in the other batter's box. That creates adjustability too. Can I get to that pitch? Then you can always weed down to, you know, the strike zone. You know, learning the strike zone. Mm-hmm. But that's what allows players how do I get on top of that pitch successfully oh I gotta pull my hands up how do I get to the pitch down I gotta lean in I gotta drop my barrel okay you gotta do all that stuff that's what makes a great hitter the ability to do all of that to be dynamic throughout the swing not to okay I'm gonna you know put my power L in position and spin (laughs) sorry I had to go back but no it's not I'm gonna work on that power L don't you I'm gonna work on a T all the time and I'm gonna do this really slow stride that coils my body and you know that teaches a good move but I'll tell you what you gotta like start working it out too you can't just can't just hit off the tee yeah. you know 70% of the time like you gotta eventually make the adjustment and start hitting pitches that are moving all over so um, yes now now adjusting high to low I, I always tell players way easier to adjust high to low mm-hmm. okay it's like the opposite of a ground ball ground ball is coming what do we do we work low if it takes a bad hop we can work up but if you're working up you can't get your glove down. This is the opposite. If my hands are up and all of a sudden that pitch starts moving down on me or down and away, yeah. I can use you know gravity. I can drop my hands really easy and drop my barrel on top of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, but yeah. if I've already started to drop my barrel, you know, twenty percent through the swing, and now all of a sudden that pitch is at my belly button, yeah. there's no way I can come back up and get that pitch. I mean, I can, but I have a very small window of success to do that. Yeah. And so, you know, trading those different areas um, off a machine or off some velo and then having the ability to get to all those pitches and then tracing it back to getting to the pro- – having a stride that is dynamic. It's not always one-two, you know, really fast. It's slow. It's smooth. We're starting early. We're controlling it. 
we get our foot down at different times, right? Now I got to get my foot down or I'm going to keep it in the air a split second longer, right? So we're, we have rhythm. We have rhythm that's controllable. We have rhythm that we can adjust if we need to. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden we have good mechanics. We, our front shoulder's down when our front foot lands, which usually means our hands are back. So now we can make an adjustment there, keeping our upper body back. Mm-hmm. Now if the pitch is up, I'm in perfect position to hit it. If it's down, I can make that adjustment and drop my hands on it. And then lastly, if I'm early, still after all of that, which you see every single day, because pitching is pretty good, (laughs) now all of a sudden I have top hand extension where I can reach that right hand to get to that pitch. Look, you might look stupid. You might look bad. Mm -hmm. With the balls today, I mean, geez, you could be fooled, hit it with one hand, find a barrel, and still hit it 375 feet. Right. which is a home run in Oakland now if you ask my dad about it, right? Yeah. But when he played, it was 385, so it would have been caught in front of the warning track. Yeah. For our softball listeners out there, is, hit, is it easier to adjust on the high pitch as well like baseball, or is it easier with the low pitch because of the rise ball and because of the different height of the mound? Same thing. Like, the ball's flatter coming in. So, okay. you know, getting to that... I mean, don't get me wrong. A really hard drop ball is really hard to hit, and a rise ball that's above your sternum, you're not going to get to either. So, um, softball players have to have flatter swings for the most part, yeah, because yeah. the trajectory of the pitch comes. Meaning that to be successful and hit for an high average, now you can still hit ten or fifteen home runs playing softball if you're big and strong, yeah, and you, you hit two hundred, but you barrel them up and they go over the fence. But you know, to be a complete all around hitter. You know, that swing plane has to be just a little bit flatter. So um, I talked to just one of the best softball minds in the country on a fairly regular basis. I've, I've got to know him um, really well. That's Craig Snyder at A&M, mm-hmm. who came from uh, Florida State. Um, and Craig's the hitting coach, recruiting coordinator at A&M now. He did the same thing at Florida State when they won the World Series. I mean, this guy's sharp. And he knows... He knows the swing. He knows how the swing works. But you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't over-teach the swing. You know, he finds players that fit the mold when he recruits them, and then he trains them the right way. But he doesn't necessarily try to get crazy with terms or crazy with drills. And so one thing he told me was, "I I try to practice higher spin or rise spin because it promotes a better swing plane for competition. So what that means is he's not working on a lot of drops that go down. He's trying to keep uh, coming out of machines. He's trying to keep that that ball only drop in a couple degrees, maybe five, so that correctly they get exposed. And then if they get exposed, then he'll you know jump in. Hey, this is let's let's work on this this. Then they fix it, but then he doesn't have to fix it again. And so I train a very, I think that's why we get along so well, is I, I train a, a similar way. When I set up my machines at the facility working on breaking balls, it's, it's amazing. It happened the other, was it last week? You know, I'll have players, and it's not all of them either. The, you know, the back's at 82, mm-hmm. um, maybe 84 at the most. And then the, there's a breaking ball at 72, you know, on the cage over that has depth. And they go to swing off the, the fastball. And they swing under like 15 in a row. They foul them off. They miss them. Sure. They're frustrated. Then they jump into the breaking ball machine. Well, they can hit the breaking ball, right? Because right. the breaking ball is dropping like 12 degrees. And it's exposing their barrel drop. And so I explain why that's happening. 
that when you're taking BP off of front tosser, you're taking BP from a coach throwing from 35 feet mm-hmm. overhead. That ball's dropping 20 degrees, 15 yeah. to 20 degrees, but that's not happening in the game. So they've grew their swing at that level. Sure. And so all of a sudden you put velocity in there, which matches what they're going to see in a game and the trajectory that goes along with that velocity, and then they struggle. And so once you explain that to them, they understand, and then all of a sudden we start making those mechanical adjustments in the other stations so that they can fix it. Glad you touched on all of that. Um, did I miss anything? I like saying at the end of episodes, but I'm pretty sure I hit on touched on everything. Did, or... I think you hit. I think we pretty much nailed that. Okay. I'm pretty sure we, we nailed it. Okay. Best episode of the year. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And you know what? You get new episodes every Monday at 9 a.m. So be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. Episode number 23 today. Last week we did Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Swing Breakdown. That was episode number 22. Check out our YouTube page, Epstein Hitting Podcast. The Bryce Harper episode is up uh, currently. So check that out. Uh, I'm on social media, unfortunately, at Jim Tara, at Epstein Hitting. And uh, send us your listener questions, JimboPodcast21 at gmail.com. We do have a listener question. This comes to us from Dylan via JimboPodcast21 at gmail.com. Dylan does not tell us where he's from, unfortunately. But he writes, Come hey, on, J- Dylan. You got one job. Right, yeah. He's you got right. one job. Give us your name and where you're from. Yeah, because we'll, we want to, uh, quote-unquote, I hate this term, but shout out uh, where you're from. So. Dylan's you know, name. I know a Dylan from San Diego. How does he spell his name, Dylan? With a Y capital, or I L L? So capital D I L L O N. Okay, so I know a Dylan from San Diego. All we'll right. say it's Dylan Hop, who should be a wealthy man because he hit behind Chris Bryant at University of San Diego. Yeah. When Chris Bryant hit 30 home runs in college. Well, somebody had to hit behind him, so he got pitches to hit 30 home runs. And it was Dylan. I think Dylan only got a couple cases of bats out of it when he was in the minor leagues. White Sox, great kid. We'll say it's Dylan Hop. Shout out to Dylan. Do you think? Do you think it's Dylan listening? Maybe it is. Dylan. No, no, he Dylan. I listening. don't know what he's doing. Oh, could be. So, shout out to Dylan. Well, anyway, he writes, uh, "Hey Jim!" Exclamation point included. I have a question for Jake. No, yeah, just God forbid you have a question for me, right? Uh, how can a hitter prevent prolonging a 1-for-10 slump to it turning into 1-for-30? What adjustments, if any, can be made on the fly during a stretch of games when you are struggling? And that is, again, from Dylan, spelled D-I-L-L-O-N, sent to us via Podcast 21 at gmail.com. Thank you, Dylan. That's what I do, man. That's uh, that's why I have the online academy. That's why I do work for the Brewers. That's why, you know, why why am I struggling? You know, I'm one for my last ten. Let's troubleshoot this, mm-hmm. you know, and there's different things that I use for troubleshooting that I'm not going to share with the world. Otherwise, I won't have a job. Right. But there's timing, you know, kind of start with timing. Like, are we getting going at the right time? And then you can use your metrics on, on what's happening there and what you're seeing on video. Do I look different on video? You know, or am I, is my stride, am I stepping out? Am I stepping higher or lower? Am I doing something with my hands? And then the last one would be mechanics, okay? Because you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like, oh, it's got to be mechanical, right? I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. 
Um, usually it's a swing plane or a timing thing that's going on. But yes, if you have a good hitting coach or you're sharp yourself because you're a professional player, and even though you're a professional player, you attended the Epstein hitting certification course because who couldn't benefit from being your own best hitting coach? Right. Right? Yeah. But I teach all every player that I teach, high school, you know, I, I do t- tell the 10-year-olds the same thing. High school 10-year-olds, minor league guys, big league guys, you have to know this. Why are you explaining this to me, Jake? Because you have to be in control of your swing, and you have to understand what you're doing. If the ball's doing this, what are you doing? Totally different than, you know, player B. So you have to know why you're grounding out. You have to know why you're popping up because, you know, it, it is different for each player. But um, it's really taking that as a player, man, I don't feel good. Mm-hmm. Something's off. I'm one for my last 10. Let's go through my swing. Let's go through it on video. How am I feeling? And you know what? Sometimes you're over 10 because you don't get any good pitches to hit. Right, right. Well, I mean, when I was at Mizzou, the SEC, good God. Did you see Crochet the other day? That son of a gun. We beat him, by the way, when I was at Mizzou. We beat him at Tennessee, right? But there are three guys or four guys we face in the SEC that are in the big leagues right now. That was in 2019. I mean, come on, man. That was a season and a half ago. But the pitching was so good that you would have to, hey, let's let's figure out, you know, let's go back and look. Did you get any pitches to hit? Right. I went over five today, Ep. So let's see why you went over five. Mm-hmm. You didn't get any pitch that wasn't ball ball one or ball six and a half, which are the corners. <laughs> you know, the way we would kind of talk, right? Like yeah. You, yeah. you didn't get any of those. Like now, maybe your swing decisions weren't good because you swung in a ball at your, you know, at your clavicle with yeah. two strikes, or you buried something in the dirt. But you didn't get any pitches to hit, and it's not like you helped him out early in the count. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he painted here, he painted there. You know, the counts two and or one and two or zero oh and two. Now you're fighting. So sometimes it's like, hey man, just go have a have a Coke Zero and uh, chill out. And then let's move on to another game. And, and sometimes it's as easy as that. But you don't want to get too frantic when you're facing, you know, like the Brewers faced Bauer the other day. Oh, he was electric. It was electric. So what are we going to do? We're going to flush it down the toilet. Mm-hmm. We're going to move on to our next game and our next at bat, and we're going to start start fresh. And hopefully we don't face Bauer again with that stuff in the in the playoffs if why, we make it. Why did you pick um, Coke Zero? I don't know. It just came to mind. Okay, I'll tell you why. My daughter had to do a science experiment, and I was all pissed off about it. She's like, Dad, I got to do this experiment. We're going to put Mentos in the soda, right? Okay, this is my 10-year-old. So we got to go to the store and get stuff, and we're going to test all these different sodas. And so one of them was Sprite, one was Coke Zero, one was Cherry Dr. Pepper, and then we had to rig it all up and make a huge mess and figure out which one shot up the most. Yeah, which one shot up the most? I don't remember. I don't know. Vivian! Nope, she's not listening to me. I think it was Coke Zero, and that's why it came to Hey, which soda shot up the most? Um, Coke Zero, but Diet Dr. Pepper would have gone higher. Okay, so Coke Zero won, but Dr. Pepper would have gone higher, but we had a Mentos fumble, and not all the Mentos made it in the okay. shoot. Yeah. Is, is, that okay. Vivian, now you know. is that Vivian the softball player? That's Vivian the softball player, yes. She always listens in the background. Good, because... She's like a sponge. That's good. It's good to be yeah. a sponge. She's it a is softball player, so Coke Zero. <laughs> I've haven't had soda in years. It's so bad, like it's, it's awful, so yeah. bad. 
I haven't had fast food in months either. So you're a good man. <laughs> I hate to toot my own horn, but <laughs> I'm just <laughs> that's good to say no to Chick Fil A in short short notice. Oh, that's pretty good. Right. I hope they never become a sponsor of this program because I am not a Chick Fil A. <laughs> I am a Chipotle guy. Chipotle's not fast food though. Hey, if you have a pro- if you, if you don't agree with me on that, then just email me at jimbopodcast twenty one at gmail dot com. So. And make sure you say where you're from. Yes, please. Thank you, Dylan, for that question. We do appreciate it. Next week, episode number 24. Uh, we are really limping to the finish line here, aren't we? Uh, wood against aluminum bats. That'll That's will be our topic next week on the, the program. Episode number 24. Sweet. Looking forward to that one. Yeah. And how aluminum bats also have changed over the years, especially at the college level. They're not as springboardy, I guess, so to speak, as they once were in the early parts of 2000, mid-2000, early parts of the, what is it, decade 2010s or past decades? Oh, 2000s, yeah. Yeah, so we'll be talking about next that next week. We're out of time. Some would say good. We're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to you next week, everybody. Take care.